0: From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. When Central Falls Mayor Maria Rivera was sworn into office last January, COVID vaccinations were becoming available and rates were starting to slowly go down. But a year later, Central Falls is a COVID hotspot once again. How is Mayor Rivera managing the recent spike, and what does the community need to prevent this from happening again? We'll talk about that and more after this quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Central Falls Mayor Maria Rivera. Thank you for joining us, Mayor. Thank you, Ed. I'm so happy to be here with you. We've got to start with COVID. After a year of trying to get a handle on this pandemic, how does it feel to be in the middle of another spike in cases?
1: It's crazy. It's overwhelming. You know, it's Central Falls from the beginning it has been the hardest to take community and I feel like we're back, right back at the beginning. With these huge lines, I have, you know, for the past few weeks, now it's a little bit better, but for the past few weeks, these lines here in Central Falls were crazy. You know, the amount of residents that were out here waiting in lines, Dr. Naukin, who has taken it upon herself, who's a pediatrician here, who did not have to do this, who had her practice for just one month before this pandemic, still continues to try to help as much as she can with this pandemic and the other testing site that we had here that, you know, thankfully we now have a bigger testing site and we're able to see more residents. But it's, I feel like we're back at the beginning of this.
0: Yeah, I saw that tweet you had with a photo of the long lines of people standing out there in the cold across from City Hall at Dr. Nelkin's pediatric practice. Tell us about that
1: and what was done to address that problem. You know, the reason why I took that picture was because I was on vacation and I had residents tagging me that they were upset about having to wait in these lines. So I came back to work. I said to my chief of staff, we need to help. We can't accept this. There's no reason why our residents should be waiting this long out in the cold. We need to figure out what's the best thing that we can do to help them, which is why you probably saw me in PPE gear. It was freezing outside. There were children waiting out there. By 10.30, she had to shut down the line because of the amount of residents she had waiting in line. So I knew that I needed to take it upon myself and try to help as much as I can.
0: So what was done? You've got a new testing site open now, right?
1: Yes. Thankfully, you know, we had the two testing sites, Dr. Nelkin, and we had the state site. And thankfully, we have a bigger testing site now that has much more capacity to fit, to, to be able to test more people. Has that alleviated the long lines? Absolutely. It's a bigger space. We have more capacity. There's more staff. There's bilingual staff. You know, we went from our residents having to wait three to four hours to residents having to wait 20 minutes or a half hour. And getting the results took a lot quicker. I had someone who went to get tested for a PCR, and within 45 minutes, she had her results. Because they, are, they, they have the lab at this testing site to make sure that they work on the results right away.
0: So you also, were uh, helping out with the directing traffic.
1: <laughs> I try to do whatever I can to try to, like, ease the process. I didn't go there to help with traffic, but when I got there, there was a problem with traffic, so... I try to help as much as I can. I said to the police officers that were there, I'm gonna help, but then I have to leave because next thing you'll know, you'll probably see me here in a uniform, really directing traffic, so. I know you
0: give your cell phone number to a lot of residents and stay in touch with the community there. Can you describe what it's like for Central Falls residents right now with the pandemic? Oh,
1: you know, like I said, I, I feel like we're back at the beginning of when COVID started, when I came into office, there's still a lot of fear here. I, I, my first vaccine clinic was organized before I was sworn in, because I knew that this was something I needed to do.
0: Yeah, I, I just, uh, on my phone, the photo just came up from like a year ago. It was you and Mayor, former Mayor Diosa getting the vaccine at the uh, at the Senior Housing Center there. So, I know you've been uh, encouraging people to get the vaccine, but why can you explain why Central Falls is such a hot spot? You know, what are the factors that make it spread so
1: quickly there? Yeah, we have, there's lots of challenges here in Central Falls, and housing is one of them, which is why I'm so focused on housing. We were asking throughout this whole pandemic, we've been asking the residents of Central Falls to isolate. How can I ask the residents of Central Falls to isolate? When I have two and three families living in one apartment. This is why our rate was so high. I, you know, we're asking them to do something they could not do. And at the same time, not giving them the resources that they need to be able to isolate. And is another factor that people work jobs where you can't work at home? You
0: can't just be on a Zoom. You have to go out to the factory wherever you work. Absolutely.
1: We have many residents who work at factories and they have to go to work, which is another huge concern with the testing, right? When we were having these long lines a few weeks ago, I was concerned about the amount of residents that could lose their jobs because of the amount of time it was taking for them to get their results. And they could not go back to work unless they had a negative test, which is why it's so important for them to get their results on the same day.
0: What do you need from the state to support your community and pre- to prevent an- another COVID surge? I feel
1: like there are times that we know ahead of time what's going to happen, right? We knew that there was going to be a surge. And I I put myself in this position, too. I feel like I failed the residents of the city. The state has failed because we should have taken action sooner. So I think the more important thing here is that we need to make sure that we listen to the health experts and that we take action and they speak to us.
0: I know you were close to Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott, who just resigned as the director of the Department of Health. How do you feel about her leaving?
1: I had a great relationship with her. I still have a great relationship with her. She was a tremendous partner and force in helping us battle this pandemic here in Central Falls. She has been an important advocate for us since I came into office. She was extremely accessible to me. I could call her, I could text her. She was always there to support us. She was someone that many girls of color are looking up to. She's a role model for them. She was great. And I'm very sad that she's leaving. You yeah, why do you think she left? <sighs> I don't know why she left, you know. It, this is a hard situation. And I can tell you that as leaders, we get beat up a lot. You know, I, I can speak from personal experience. As much as I want to do for the residents of the city, as much as I'm out there, as much as I'm trying to get as many resources for them, as much as I give out my cell phone number, I have that one-on-one contact with residents here. There are people who are not happy and, it, and it's hard. This is probably the same situation she's in. As much as we try to do, it's never enough.
0: You mentioned housing and the pandemic. What what has the uh, COVID pandemic shown you about the need for more
1: affordable housing in Central Falls? It has shown me that it's a huge need here in the city. You know, we were asking our residents to do something they couldn't do. And that's because of the lack of, of housing stock and more affordable housing here in the city. Um, which is why it's so important for us to focus on that here. I had a housing summit where I had over 200 people attend this housing summit and speak about the different issues. It was very hard for me to hear the stories that were being told. Have, have you know, someone speak from the district and tell me that we have homeless students sleeping in a car. That shouldn't be happening. You know, listening to, to the amount of, of lead Right here in the city, which has increased by 50% after this pandemic because these kids were stuck at home. You know, these are these are old
0: properties. When you think about the need for housing in the city without naming any names, but do you have any uh, individual stories that come to mind?
1: I, you know, I this one makes me very emotional <laughs> and I'm not sure if I told you the story before, but. This one's hard.
0: Oh, take your time.
1: I had, I had someone contact me asking for support for their seven and eight-year-old nephews because they found their uncle dead in the bathroom. Oh, wow. And he passed due to COVID. They reached out to me looking for, for an apartment. Because these kids were having real issues. You know, it's, it's a huge impact on them. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't do their schoolwork. They couldn't talk to anyone. And to top it off, these kids were undocumented. So those are the, the type of calls that I'm getting, right? And so when I get this call, all they're looking for is an apartment. I don't have an answer for them because we don't have apartments. So we're asking for site acquisition funding so that we can acquire some of these properties that we have identified here in Central Falls so that we can start, you know, working with like the Central Falls Housing Authority, with the Advocacy Center and different organizations to start building more more affordable housing here in the city. And, you know, site acquisition is is a huge challenge for Central Falls. We have a $19 million budget. I can't take out $5 million to acquire these properties. In such a small
0: city, there's not a lot of
1: available parcels, I imagine. There's there's not, like, we've gone around the city, we've identified about 12 different properties that some were businesses that are not open right now and trying to figure out how can these buildings be converted into more housing and affordable housing here.
0: What do you need from the state? Uh, the state budget comes out this week is,
1: are you looking for something in the governor's budget? Uh, yes, site acquisition funding, about $4.5 If I can get the site acquisition funding, I, I can tell you that we can have about 200 apartments built here. After wow. working with the different organizations, which is huge.
0: That would, be a, that would make a
1: big difference, wouldn't it? It would make a huge difference. It would make a huge difference for our residents who are going through domestic violence. Through this pandemic, the domestic violence rate has also gone up tremendously it's our number one phone call in the police department so to be able to give them a safe affordable space would be huge. It would make a huge difference for these families who have to live with other family members because they can't afford to pay for their rent. so to be able to to be to be able to give them the space where they can afford and have their own space it's gonna make a huge difference with the health <laughs> in the city.
0: I know there was a state housing bond back five or six years ago, $40 million, I think. Why didn't Central Falls get any of that money? It's site acquisition.
1: If I have these properties, if the city of Central Falls has these properties, we can submit applications. But if I don't have these properties, how can they support us? Which is why I need the site acquisition funding. So I remember touring Central
0: Falls High School with you and standing on a stage where there was plaster falling from the ceiling. Now that the voters have approved funding for a new high school, tell us about your vision for what the new uh, place is going to look like and how much it was needed. Yeah, you've seen
1: the old high school. I I I graduated from Central Falls High School in 1995. And at that time, there was needs. You know, when I was sworn in as council president, I'm sitting on the stage of the auditorium And parts of the ceiling are falling, like the debris. You could see it falling, and you witnessed that. We can't expect our children to succeed if we're not giving them what they need. It's not safe. It's not healthy. The bathrooms, the walls, like, it's just, it's not It's not appropriate for us to have our children in a high school like that. Having this new high school is going to be everything to them. Our children, our students deserve to have a new high school. I don't want to have a new high school because I want to have a new building in the city. I want to have a new high school because I want to see our students succeed. I want to make sure that we incorporate some type of community space for all of the residents of the city of Sancho Falls to be able to use like East Providence did. I want to be able to have career tech programs because a lot of our students, we have to be realistic, don't want to go to college. So what programs can we incorporate so that these students graduate and are ready for the work field and are ready to work? Yeah, that East Providence School has got a lot of
0: career space. Have you toured that building? And and, and what did you think? I have.
1: It's a It's a beautiful space. It's what our kids deserve and need. So that's my vision, right? I see in East Providence. That's the vision that I have here for Central Falls. With that vision, I think it's important to to have the residents of the city have a voice. So we're making sure that as these conversations happen, that we host meetings, that we listen to listen to the residents of what is it that they want for this space, that we're keeping them updated with the whole process, that we do presentations to the council of where we are with the process so that people know step-by-step step where we are and what's happening, and that we also listen to them about what is it that they're looking for.
0: What's the timetable? When's that first school bell going to ring at the new Central Falls High School?
1: Oh, that's probably not going to happen until like 2024. I wanted oh. groundbreaking to happen this year. I'm being pushy. <laughs> I'm being very pushy, but I think it's going to happen sometime early next year, the groundbreaking.
0: So you took on a lot last year, your first year as mayor, getting residents vaccinated, passing a bond measure for the new high school. What are your goals for 2022 other than just hanging in there?
1: <laughs> you know, this this first year in office was crazy. I came into office as the first Latina mayor, right? What does that mean? And to me, it, I had many people reaching out to me and congratulating me. But in the back of my head, I'm like, what does that mean? Why is it so big for me to be the first Latina mayor? At the same time, I kept thinking to myself, I you know this is new to me. I don't have a, a mayor, a female mayor, that has led me to here, that has guided me to this. What's gonna happen when you receive that first phone call at two in the morning about a fire and people end up ending up homeless? When when You know, you receive that phone call that you have a homicide in the city. There were many challenges. What I want for this year, you know, I I started stuff last year that I need to continue this year. But my primary focus is overcoming this pandemic and for the residents of the city to be able to go to their normal lifestyles. Besides that, I have the high school project, which is a continuous project, which is a weekly conversation, weekly meetings that I need to continue staying focused on and housing. It's the first Latina
0: mayor in, in the history of the state, tell us about the reaction you get from young, uh, young residents of Central Falls.
1: It's, it, it's, I think it's so cute that, you know, when they see me, it's like, she's like this artist or this big movie star. And to me, it's like, I'm just like you, right? I am not this big person. I'm here to work for you. I'm here to listen to you, and it, and it, it's overwhelming. And and sometimes I, you know, it's hard for me to accept that I get all this attention from the kids. I love bringing them to City Hall. I love touring them through City Hall. I love for them to come to my office, for them to sit in my chair. I love to go to the schools um, and answer their questions. And I have to tell you, these these kids have better questions than adults sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll get him on the podcast. Well, Mayor Rivera, thank you so much for joining me today on Rhode Island Report.
1: Thank you for having me. Next time, we have to do this in person because it's going to be much better.
0: Yes, yes, that'll be great. Here are some more stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. My colleague Alexa Gigas has a profile of a new restaurant in downtown Providence that combines classic ingredients from Haiti with familiar American cuisine. Brian Amaral has a story on a state trooper who was caught behind the salt barn in Charleston. He appeared to be having sex in the driver's seat of his cruiser. And Dan McGowan has a column about his personal experience with a Rhode Island con artist who faked his own death. Find these stories and more at globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the show, do us a favor. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.